0: Oof! This was an action-packed podcast which I've just been recording on the topic of taking back control of the silly season. <clears throat> so during the week I heard from a lot of you that There was some anxiety coming into the next few months, especially for so many of us being let out of lockdown and Christmas and all of those sorts of things and making sure that you were still on track to be able to hit your goals and manage social social events. So this episode is absolutely jam-packed. Make sure you grab a pen, take some notes. We're about to get into it and if you love it, Resonate a thousand percent please 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 make sure you tag Fit and and at Amy Louise coaching and share on your stories without further ado away we go. Welcome to the fit and free with aim podcast I'm your host Amy Louise we're listening to this podcast you'll gain clarity and apply now principles in relation to training nutrition and mindset all designed to help you build a strong and lean physique and show up as your best self at the same time. If you're a woman who struggles with excessive behaviors when it comes to training and nutrition and think of yourself as a perfectionist, I hear you, I see you, I was you. And I know that you're in exactly the right place to turn that ship around and build a body you love inside and out. So let's go. Hey guys, before we dive into the nuts and bolts of this episode, I thought I'd give a bit of a personal update, which I very, very rarely do, but I have some exciting things happening in the next couple of weeks. So by the time you're listening to this, which will be Saturday morning, the week coming is actually going to be my last week of face-to-face coaching out at Good Life in Point Cook. And then I'm going to be moving to full-time online coaching, which is really, really exciting. I've been working in a fairly considered online capacity since COVID hit. So prior to that, I was doing about maybe 50 50 online in person maybe a little bit less online in favor of the in-person coaching so I've been on the gym floor for over five years now getting heaps of experience working with women in real time but things online are really really taking off and I'm super excited to be able to help more people in an online capacity so that's something that's really exciting that is happening for me In other news, which is also awesome, we are into week four of the growth phase course, which I put out and it's just been absolutely amazing. So that's for women who are looking to build muscle. So they're either eating at maintenance or in a surplus or looking to go into maintenance or surplus phases. And I'm talking calorie wise. And yeah, they've been learning all about what the really important things are for muscle hypertrophy in terms of like mechanisms for muscle hypertrophy, how we then apply that to training, programming, nutrition. Next week, we're looking at female physiology. So how do you use all of our Quirky female traits in our favor when it comes to building muscle mass. And then the final week, we'll be going through a whole lot of the mindset blocks that come with eating a lot, being really well fueled for long periods of time, which is what it takes to build muscle. So, just a little bit of a personal update first. I don't think I've done one of those on the podcast yet, but just so you know what's happening in my life with the business and what you can expect. In terms of growth phase, I don't have dates again for it next year yet, but it is definitely going to be coming out. I'm going to be running that again. It's just been such a blast. And I am going to be putting together a deficit phase one as well. So these courses are purely education-based to really help equip you with the back and stuff. So there's templates, calculators, all that kind of thing to figure this out on your own, but then make sure that you're doing the, or you're, you've got the best possible shot really successful phases. So keep an eye out for those two things. Now, I feel like I'm going to burp. (laughs) I really don't want that to come out on on here, but let's now dive into this episode. So I did get a lot of requests for this topic, which is, I think I'm going to call it something like taking control of the silly season you'll have seen the title by now, but it's really looking at the next, what, six weeks or so, actually probably even more, eight weeks to three months because people's social engagements are going to start creeping up with Christmas and and family engagements, breakups with end-of-year work, not actual breakups, but breakups with end-of-year work, and then holidays and that kind of thing. And this does still seem to be an area where lots of people are, you know, freaking out, panicking. And I think the, the typical fears with this time period is like that maybe you're, you're new to this game, <laughs> the physique building game and you're scared that you're going to ruin all your progress so you've been tracking along really really well uh, maybe even in lockdown you've been able to manage things heaps easier and now you're kind of freaked out that there's like going to be all of these social engagements having a lot less control over time and food as things go on or you're worried that you know you've made lots of progress and you're either going to stall that progress or you're going to go backwards potentially there could be fears of managing peer pressure from family and friends so we're going to discuss that and and then just this overall feeling that things will get out of control, right? So it's it's a big fear about the amount of control that you're going to have moving forward, and then what impact is that going to have on your physique goal? So before I set out the structure of the podcast, because it's going to be very structured, I do want to just put a caveat here that. Of course, what I'm saying is coming from an incredibly privileged position. I acknowledge that. Uh, I guess that if you're listening, I would hazard a guess that you um, have the bandwidth, the time, the energy, and the finances to prioritize your physique results. Um, You also have The financial resources and time to eat out, to consume alcohol, uh, have fun with your friends, and all of those sorts of things. So, the way I'm going to speak about these topics, I don't want to have to constantly disclaim how privileged we all are that we even get to be in a position where we're making these choices. Uh, It would be very annoying to listen to. So, I just want to disclaim that now. Yes, of course, the way I'm going to be speaking is that we're going to be uh, speaking from a very privileged position, and I acknowledge that. Um, You know, my point of view is that annual anxiety doesn't need to be your norm. So if you feel anxious coming up to this time of the year, every single year, this is absolutely the podcast for you. And what I'm going to take you through today is practices that you can put in place right now to make sure that you're never going to have an anxious Christmas period again. It is the last year of panic that you'll ever have. Hopefully not. If you're listening to this podcast, hopefully you won't even have that. But I'm wanting you to take away that number one, you can trust yourself. Absolutely you can trust yourself. And number two, you are in control. So those two things together take the anxiety down tenfold. So to make this podcast as user-friendly as possible, I'm going to break it up into parts and sections of parts. So a thousand percent, if you're at home, grab a pen. And I'm also going to be making an accompanying worksheet. So if you hit the show notes, the description, you'll be able to reach a link that is going to take you through some of the um, topics that we're looking at today. But just to give you an overview of the structure, I'm also going to get my producer to help me with some timestamps for this as well. Again, just to make this episode very, very user-friendly so you can action it. And if you're listening in the car or you're walking, then just make a note that when you get home to hit the link to the worksheet and to have a look at all of the timestamps for the components that are most relevant to you. So, part one of the podcast so the first part of the podcast we're going to be looking at assessing your goals and values and there's going to be a few parts or uh, yeah parts within that and then the part two of the podcast is going to be looking at the actual practicalities of you know like what is actually what does this actually look like on a weekly basis um, what does this look like on a daily basis when you have events in terms of like actually working out macros, calorie cycling, uh, accounting for alcohol, what a full day of eating might look like. So I'm just, I'm actually going to go into that level of detail in here. And that's in part two. So again, just look at the show notes for the timestamps. Okay. So part one, where do we need to start? So if you're the kind of person who's like, yeah, man, Uh, Christmas gives me a hell of a lot of anxiety. We need to start with assessing your goals and values. We always need to start here pretty much with anything you're undertaking that's new. And and even with things that you do often, assessing what you're working towards and what you actually value is always incredibly important. It's incredibly important to keep updating this as well because these things change, like they flux with us and with different life changes. So the first question we want to ask ourselves and again, follow along with the worksheet. <laughs> what are you trying to achieve over the next three months? So a bit of November, December, January, maybe even into February. The questions you need to ask yourself when looking at this, and I'm always about breaking things down when we're looking at what are we trying to achieve. Come February 2022, how do you want to feel? Come February 2022, you wake up on the 10th of Feb. How do you want to feel? I've just randomly chosen that date. Okay, when you wake up in the morning, how do you want to feel? What do you want your habits to look like? What's your day going to look like? What's your morning going to look like? Okay. What are you going to be doing? What are you going to be believing about yourself? What physique results will you have? So what I want you to do for this first part is I want you to as clearly and as articulately, is that a word, as possible, <laughs> I want you to articulate exactly how you're going to feel, who you're going to be, what are the tangible results that you're going to have wanted to achieve by then. And I don't really want you to worry at this point of are they realistic or anything like that. I just want you to get it down what you're working towards. So often for a lot of us, it's not that our goals aren't realistic. Potentially, we might have the time frame skewed and we might think we can achieve more than is actually really possible. But for the moment, let's put that aside. And I want you to think about if you could wave a magic wand and have some results and have a feeling in February, what would that be? Because we need to know very, very clearly what we're working towards. We need to have something that we can work back from because just like getting in the car and going to um, somewhere you've never been before, if you don't have a map, you're highly likely going to get lost. So we need to know the destination. We need to know where you are. We need to know the destination. And once we have the destination, we can work backwards and figure out how you're going to get there. So that's the first part. The second part, once we have those overarching goals, we need to have some tangible outcome steps so that we know what we're actually working towards tangibly. So what do I mean by that? Because that was a bit of a mouthful. Once you've got your overarching goals, like I want to feel more confident, I want to be leaner, all those sorts of things, or have more muscle, write those out. And then we need to ask, what does that actually mean? Or what is a tangible piece of evidence that will show you that you've had success in that area? So I'm going to run through a couple So we have one of my goals, just say, I want to feel more confident in my clothes. What does that mean, right? Does that mean you're wearing a, come February, you're wearing dresses without sleeves, without confidence. Does it mean you're in a bikini with no, you know, cover up on the beach? Does it mean being a particular dress size? Does it mean having a certain waist measurement? What is the tangible evidence of success that you can very, very clearly point to? Because if we just say feelings, like I feel more confident, you're going to have some days where you feel confident and some days where you don't. It's really, it's it's not a feeling, unfortunately, isn't a tangible result. So whilst we're saying yes, overall, these, these are the things I'm wanting to work towards. We do really need a, a tangible point of evidence that we can point to. So if your goal is I want to build muscle, this can turn into a particular PB on your compound lifts. So thinking about where your squats, where your deadlifts, where your pushes, where your presses are now and saying, okay, so my, you know, bent over row, I'm lifting 30 kilos for six in three months. I want that to be 35 kilos for six or 40 kilos for six, something like that. You know, my squat at the moment for 10 reps is 40 kilos. By three months' time, I want it to be 50 kilos for 10 reps, right? It actually really doesn't matter with these numbers when we're lifting what they are specifically. We just need to know that we're working towards tangible improvements. Like you can clearly say come February, actually. I'm lifting less or the same as what I was lifting in November. Okay. I actually haven't made any progression there. Is it likely that I've built muscle if I've not progressed at all with my, you know, total volume loads? Um, Probably not. So there you go. Uh, it could just be training blocks. Every single training block I commit to, you know, week one of my program versus say week six, that the the total volume loads for every single session will have increased over the course of week one to week six. It could be something like that. Uh, what else do I have here? Um, visual proof and measurements as well. So again, like these are all related to building muscle. In posed photos, you can visually see that I have put my muscle or it could be centimeters. So I want to see that, you know, the, the measurement around my chest and back has gone up. I want to see that my leg measurements has gone up. I want to see that my booty measurement has gone up again, really tangible. Have they gone up? Have they not? You can say, or then potentially say someone's goal is I want to be leaner. That's awesome. Okay, cool. We need to set, uh, we need to set some tangible numbers for that. So a lot of people don't like to set scale weight Uh, scale weight numbers as outcomes for for fat loss and that's totally fine I I somewhat agree with that we could look at you know a maximum of one percent body weight per week loss if we did want to put a scale weight on although that you know like it's that's a significant amount still that's a maximum amount um any more than that we're probably getting to losing muscle anyway but you might do visually you might say okay visually from photos from now until Feb I want there to be a visual difference, right? That's a pretty damn good tangible one. You can see, you're not gonna, you know, you're gonna be able to see that and you're not getting fixated on your scale weight. You could do a waist measurement one or a dress size one too. So I've just given you some examples. We've started with, okay, identifying the goals. Then we have to figure out what is going to be the tangible evidence that's going to represent that I've made progress towards those goals. So now that you've done that, we need to be able to identify your weekly non-negotiables that need to be met in order for you to hit those tangible goals that we've just said. So typically, pretty much everyone listening is going to need, number one, eight hours of sleep to reach those goals. Like every goal I've listed (laughs) is going to require decent sleep, number one. It's going to require consistent hydration. And I've said here like two liters plus hitting your macronutrient targets for most people, uh, the the women I coach, I say 100% compliance is hitting your macronutrient targets for carbs and protein within 10 grams above or below of your target. So just a range and within five grams of fat above or below, that's 100% compliance to your macronutrients. So you might give yourself those ranges and say, yep, Um, 90% of the time I want to be hitting." 90% 90% of the time I'm going to be hitting within those targets, right? You you're going to be making good progress getting your training sessions in, getting your steps in whatever they are and implementing stress management practices. So pretty much every result you could want is going to emanate from those non-negotiables and you just tweaking them to whatever suits you. So for example, if you're in a deficit, steps might be 10,000, 12,000 a day. If you're in a surplus phase, steps might be 8,000 a day, right? So you still got to get your steps in. It's just how many, right? You've still got to get all your training sessions in. It's just how many and what do they look like? You still got to eat, your sleep, you still got to get your water and you still got to hit your macros, no matter if you're in a deficit and maintenance or a surplus phase. It's just um, how much are they? Again, like are you in a deficit or in your surplus and stress management practices? Just as an aside, like if we are really, really serious about achieving specific goals that we haven't achieved yet. Uh, so we want to make some kind of progress. That's of course who I'm talking to. If you don't really care too much, again, like it's not uh, me making any judgment on that. But all, all the way I'm speaking in this podcast is designed for people who really have a tangible goal they want to achieve. And it's like, even in if, even if you're eating maintenance calories, I've made this point a number of times. It doesn't mean we're just floundering around. You know, we don't need a track. We can sort of eat whatever we want. Like. If you have a specific goal in mind, like building muscle in a maintenance calorie phase, you still need to be diligent with your sleep your water your uh, macronutrient intake your training sessions your step in and stress management and this is a big part of the way i coach it's building lifestyles that we we tweak the dials on each of these components none of them are ever off <laughs> right and you can run pretty well on uh, on this system if we if we have all of our our behavioral lifestyle habits in check you can just tweak them with you know turning them up or down dependent on what phase you're in but I also think it really helps people not sort of fall out of love or like lose sight of why they're training. If we have these goals in mind, it doesn't mean we're always killing ourselves because that's, that's the thing. Like, Being in a maintenance phase or being in a surplus calorie phase, just say our goal is, you know, either maintain our strength or build strength, build muscle, maintain our muscle mass. We still need an intention going to the gym or else after a while we're going to lose focus and hate it. So I think it is really, really important. So once we've done that, we need to look at the values part. And I think a lot of people get this part wrong. You you, you do need to ask yourself what you are ready, willing, and able to commit to. And whilst it is important to be honest with yourself, I also think stretching yourself a little bit is a really good thing and I think most of the women listening to the podcast if you listen and resonate you're going to be a high achiever you're going to tend towards perfectionism Um, you're going to be type a and I think everyone listening I'm going to just say I reckon everyone listening loves challenges they love challenging challenging themselves they love meeting things to high standards and it's like you know we can do that in a maintenance calorie phase where we are looking after our health we're not bashing ourselves to the ground and what does that look like that looks like being consistent across all of those pillars sleep water macros training steps and stress management it doesn't mean like burning the candle at both ends and doing crazy shit and aggressive stuff that you don't need to it means doggedly prioritizing your health right like we're doing that to a high standard we're resting to a high standard you know does that make sense i hope that makes sense So rather than every time I say, just be honest with yourself, I'm not saying pull back. I'm not saying don't set uh, goals that stretch you. I am saying do that, but I think it is really, really important to make that distinction, that I'm not trying to say, don't stretch yourself. I read this really good book uh, a few months ago called Strive, and it talks about self confidence in and enjoyment in life. And it's not necessarily the moment that we achieve something that makes us happy, fills us with satisfaction and confidence. It's actually the strive, the process. And I think a lot of the time when we hear, oh, like just you know, make sure you're honest with yourself. Uh, don't um, don't set, don't set goals that maybe are unrealistic or anything like that. It's like I, I understand where people are coming from, but I also think that stretching ourselves and committing and holding ourselves accountable is actually where the fun is for so many of us. And it's it's proven, like when we get things given to us, we don't value them as much. We're just not going to value them as much. And We see this time and time again with like competitions and things like that. It's like once that fun of the process of the journey has gone, we are left feeling a little bit flat because there's nothing to work towards. So like as a specific example for for some of my physique clients who, you know, they're not competing, um, I, I like to talk to them about potentially setting either strength goals or even jumping into a photo shoot, you know, something like that. And this is if they find their, maybe their joy for the process waning, it's like, let's set something really tangible. So of course, you know, if if you are finding yourself trashing yourself, you know, drinking and going crazy on the weekend, you're obviously not going to get the p- best physique results and you need to either make peace with that or you need to commit. I don't think most of you listening fall into that category. Of course, that is, is something that, that needs to be taken into account. But when I was thinking about this... And the woman who's listening, I thought that for you asking yourself if you're ready, willing and able to commit could be more like the uh, responsibilities or obligations you feel you might have to other people. And sometimes what this can lead to is we believe we're responsible for the way others feel, which is not the case. Everyone is responsible for their own emotions and handling their own emotions. And of course, other people's needs and feelings are more important than our own. So for example, like I want to go to the gym and do blah, 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 blah. But, you know, my friends are wanting to do X, Y, and Z, or my family's wanting to do X, Y, and Z. And it's like, well... I'll, I'll, um, i What's the word? I, I won't uh, adhere to my boundaries in order to keep other people around me feeling comfortable. And I, I think that that's where we we need to ask ourselves: like, what are we, what are we doing here? You know, why are we putting other people's feelings and needs ahead of our own? No one else is going to hold our boundaries for us. That's on us. We have to do that ourselves now. To be fair, I don't have kids and I don't have parents that need care. Uh, My partner's also a very capable human and self-sufficient. But perhaps there are periods in your life where the answer is actually going to be, yes, I do need to prioritize the health of my children. I do need to prioritize the health and well-being of my parents or loved ones. Um, And is this, you know, if this is the case, sometimes I've said to my clients, look, you know, I think you have the resources to, are you actually able to Ask friends or family for help, or even pay for help for these tasks. But for some of them, you're just going to have to be really honest with yourself and say, you know what, like this is the amount of time that I have to put in to prioritize. You know, maybe sick parents or really little kids. Um, and so, rather than setting, you know, seven seven training sessions a week, uh, a real a more realistic target is something like three. But this is where I'm going with these values. Uh, this values work. Is I don't want you to hear a a, a bias in the way I'm speaking about this. That's absolutely not what I'm trying to do. You've got to do this for yourself and don't think I'm making any judgments about this. Uh, I just wanted to give you a couple of examples like the kids and family one or is it that you are just not setting your standards high enough, which I don't think is anyone going to be listening here, Or are you being a people pleaser and you need to stop doing that shit? (laughs) I think that's probably the three most common situations where where we perhaps have to really evaluate our values. So that is all of part one. So once you've got through that, you have gone and looked looked at your goals. You've gone and found tangible evidence. So you'll know come February that you've succeeded or not. And you know exactly what you're working towards. Then you have set out your weekly non-negotiables across sleep, hydration, food, training steps and stress. And then the last one, you've had a look at all of that and really assessed it to see if it is something that is going to be meaningful for you, that is going to be satisfying for you and that helps you live into what you actually value in life. You've done all of that groundwork, okay? So now we're going to dive into part two, which is the actual practical components of managing a the silly season. Okay. So <clears throat> what I'm going to do first is we're going to take a bit of an overview look of the, you know, the next few months and of the weeks. And then I'm going to dive into the nitty gritty in part two of like the actual, what does a day look like? All right. So This, just as a caveat before we get into it, this overall framework that I'm going to discuss is actually if you're in a deficit phase a maintenance phase or a surplus phase, like I said, once again, I want to get off this, um, you know, only being in a deficit means you're the only person paying attention at a party or sorry, I should rephrase that. You're only paying attention to all these things if you're in a deficit. Otherwise it's no fucks given, whatever you're in a surplus or you're at maintenance, who who cares? Um, It does matter. If we want to avoid on and off behavior, if we want to avoid yo-yoing and rebounding and all this other other bullshit, we have to create a lifestyle that supports our goals that we we perform year in year out. So that's why I'm talking about these, you know, what was it? The six or seven pillars before with the, you know, the sleep, the water, the um, food training, blah, blah, blah. If we get really good habits in those areas, it literally becomes a dial on each one. It's just a dial. I eat the same way. Sometimes throughout the year, I'm eating a little bit less or I'm eating a bit more. That's that's all it is. It's not these huge sweeping changes to your diet. Uh, sometimes with my training session, again, goal dependent, maybe you're prepping for a comp or something, you're doing five days a week, uh, or maybe you're not, you're doing four days a week otherwise. And it's like, not that you have to stop, start training again, or totally change the way you're training. It's just a little tweak with you know volume progressions or the style of training in terms of like, maybe peaking or something like that for a comp or whatever, you know. Um, and the same thing with stress management practices. You don't just do it when you have the time or you don't just do it when you're stressed. It's a year-round practice that you're doing. So I think of have on that for enough let's jump into the overview right so when we're looking at this as a bigger picture you need to make sure you've got a very clear image of mind in your mind of what you're working towards how that's going to feel the overall action steps you need to complete weekly and daily to get you there that should be year-round i don't care if you're at maintenance i don't care if you're in a a surplus or deficit year-round right You should have some idea of what the hell you're doing. Even if it is mental, mental health, stress relief, enjoyment, fun, you need to know that. Like you need to know that because that helps you manage the the variables within that. Okay. It's really, really important that you know those things. Then weekly weekly as much as you can you're going to need to plan ahead especially across these three months like we're talking about which meals across the week you're going to have control over which meals will you not have control over plan your week in advance this will take five minutes it's like right from Monday through Sunday four or five meals and a snack or whatever how many meals you have create um little crosses of how many meals you're going to have control over and little circles of how many you won't, you're going to be able to see by looking at that, you know, okay, it's clear that I have four meals throughout the week where I'm at social events and I have no idea what I'm going to eat. Good. At least you can plan around it. So with the ones you do have control over, you're going to want to make them minimally processed, higher protein. If you're at maintenance or in a surplus. You may not need this next point, but if you're in a deficit, you might then look to make those meals lower calorie, high volume, i.e. plenty of lean protein, veggies, salads, berries as the base of your meals. Uh, and, of course, if you're in a maintenance or surplus phase, while well, I'd still recommend keeping them minimally processed, you know, you can have, of course, more um more calorie dense foods in in that if you need but just because we have that element of uncertainty with being out sometimes it can help if you leave plenty of calories left over which will just help reduce your anxiety overall. Okay so this like I said that will allow you a bit more leeway so from there you're obviously going to have some meals where you have absolutely no idea about what you're going to have. And you're going to have other meals where you'll probably be able to search menus or something ahead of time, and you'll be able to plan ahead. So what you should have in front of you now is a weekly planner, Of the meals that you absolutely know you have total control over, and you're gonna write those meals in, you're gonna plan them ahead of time, make sure they're enjoyable to some extent. Like I said, prioritizing protein. For the other meals, again, it could be four, five, six meals, depending on how close we're getting to Christmas, that you're at social engagements, at friends' houses, or whatever, that you legit either don't know what you're gonna have, or again, it's just not within your control. So you've got those boxes. Now, Now, what do we do? So if there are any meals where you're going to places where you could guess what you're about to have. So, (coughs) excuse me, just say your friends are like, yes, let's go to grilled on Thursday night. Okay. Awesome. That's, you're going to have a a semi idea of what's happening. So what I want to do now is take you through how to guesstimate meals out. Okay. So we'll use grilled as an example. You can actually go and Google search for grilled and find their macros for the food you wanna have. So you can, you can actually chuck that in pretty accurately ahead of time. Just a caveat here, when we're eating out, we can guess the macronutrients because the franchise tells us. However, just remember, it's highly likely there's gonna be huge amounts of variation. And that's why if we're in a deficit, Uh, we do have to be more careful with limiting our time going out because yes, we can track it and we can track it as to what they say online, but is that actually what the chef has done? Like how do we know that everything's been measured out perfectly? We don't, we have way less control over it. So um, you could use the same example. If you're going to a burger joint, that's not a franchise, that's not grilled. You could still use grilled macros for them. You know, they have chips, they have salads, they have burgers, um, plenty of franchises we'll list macros online that you can use to help you figure out the macros for similar foods that you're eating at similar restaurants okay It might save you some time if you use MyFitnessPal, you know, going through MyFitnessPal and searching for like, you know, cheeseburger. You're going to come up with a zillion entries and have no idea what's accurate because anyone can enter data into MyFitnessPal. So you Google searching a franchise is going to give you potentially a a more uh, accurate shot at guesstimating your macros. Again, like I said, you have to understand every single meal that you have out that's not within your control. There is an element of variability that's going to be there and it just is what it is. Another way you could, you can guesstimate meals. So just say you're going to a friend's house and they're cooking and they've told you it's a surprise and you legit have no idea what they're about to cook. Maybe you're going to a wedding and have no idea what's going to be on the menu, right? Or, you know, a cocktail night with work. What I would recommend here is starting that day by planning out, uh, by throwing some numbers at the meal. So I think somewhere between 800 to 1200 calories, if you're not having alcohol, is a smart idea. It'll give you plenty of room to eat pretty much whatever you want. And so I've got an example that I've written up in my notes that I'm going to read out to you, which will show you what I would do. So, say I'm going to a wedding and I'm like, I have no fucking idea what I'm about to eat. I'm choosing not to have alcohol or maybe just a drink. So, I'm going to track it like this I'm going to go, you know what? Maybe there's not that much protein. Um, I'll under I'll underestimate that and I'll overestimate fat and carbs. So what if I go 20 grams of protein, 150 carbs, 40 fat, just as a guesstimate for dinner and whatever I eat, I eat and it is what it is. Again, yes, there's going to be a, a fair degree of inaccuracy here, but at least I'm keeping the habit of tracking. I'm staying accountable and I'm throwing something at it. Trust me, it's better than nothing. So doing on the maths on that, 20 grams of protein times four calories is 80 calories. 150 grams of carbs times four calories is 600 calories. And 40 grams of fat by nine calories is 360 calories. So that gives me a meal that I've tracked. That's 20 protein, 150 carb, 40 fat, and 1,040 calories. Okay, so I'm just going to chuck that in. I'm going to label it dinner and be done with it. I'm going to go to the wedding. I'm going to eat the main course. Uh, I might have a, a little bit of dessert and that's it. And it maybe even a glass of champagne. It's going to be close enough to, to 1,040. I've just guessed it, but at least I'm not stressed and I've accounted for it. And the other thing I haven't done is spent the whole wedding like, trying to, I don't know, take photos of individual ingredients and figure out what they are through my fitness well. because fucking hell, you don't want to do that. Like, I mean, I was gonna say unless you're competing in a in a in like a bodybuilding show or something like that. But even then, you you may not like you may not eat or you you may ask for sources on the side or something like that. Um, and I may not eat at the event right? It just depends on your goals and and how critical they are. But for most of us, if we're not competing, man, it's no way in hell is it worth going, well, I I had three olives and then I had two pieces of salami and then I had two pieces of cheese and then I had a steak and then I had potato and then I had beans. Like, fuck that throw some numbers at it and move on with your life. So there are two ways you can guesstimate uh, somewhat accurately rather than having a cry and a meltdown over not knowing what's in your food. So a little segue here to alcohol, how to track alcohol. So again, Get your pen and paper if you need this. Pure alcohol is nine calories per gram. Sorry, is seven calories per gram. Fats nine. Pure alcohol is seven calories per gram. So of course you don't have macro allocations for alcohol because we don't want people hitting macro macro for alcohol. So what does this mean? It ha- you have to take that calorie allowance away from either your protein, carbs, or fats. Now, we do not want to take it away from our protein. Protein is very, very important because it provides the building blocks for all of our cells, and we don't want to put your muscle mass at any risk, okay? That leaves you with a choice of taking away your, the calories you're consuming from alcohol from either your carbohydrate or your fat allowance or a combination of the two, right? It really depends on are you in a deficit, maintenance surplus, how much room do you have, and personal preferences with those things. But so for example, say you're planning on having one alcoholic drink, it's 100 calories, you decide that you're going to, to use your 100 calories of your carb allowance for alcohol. So what is that? So 25 grams of carbs is 100 calories, okay? So you're going to have to create a little entry you can use one that's already there perhaps that says alcohol and you're going to track it as 25 grams of carbs because that's 100 calories so it's got to come from somewhere and in this example I've used carbohydrates so I hope that helps you figure out how to do that and again just use google search google the drink that you typically like to have it'll tell you how many calories is in it and like I said just do those maths do the maths and take away the calories from either carbohydrates or fats or a combination of the two. You can create your own little recipes too in your apps. Um, So if legit you drink the same drink every single time, you can have it already saved as a breakdown of carbs or fats or both, and you can just pull that up every time you have some drinks. Okay so now we've done that I want to get into the nitty-gritty and just give you a real world example of what a day might look like for someone Um, and I've gone through probably like what a deficit would look like for someone who has an event where they have no idea what they're doing. So what you would do is wake up have a whole lot of water half liter of water and I would have something like an egg white and egg full egg veggie scramble, right? So higher protein, a little bit of fat and some veggies for breakfast. Uh, Then I'd have like a Yopro and berries. Then I'd have like a protein shake or something um, and maybe some chicken and salad, yeah? So the note here is that I'm still being incredibly mindful of my intake. And um, this is, you know, a deficit or not, we still really need to be mindful of our intake. And when I'm going out, like I might have a, one glass of alcohol and maybe some Coke Zero. No matter, even in a surplus, I'm still not going to have absolutely every bit of food presented to me. I'll have a typical sized meal. I'll still focus on veggies and protein as much as possible. If there's a dessert like cake, you know, if I'm in a deficit, I would just say no, like legit would just say no, right? I'm not in a deficit for that long and I need to get the job done if I have weddings or events that fall on those days, well, bad luck to me. I'm just going to say no. If I'm at maintenance or in a surplus, I'm typically going to have a little bit more calories from carbs and fats. So I can have a bit of cake if I would like, but I'm still not going to be like, oh fuck, it's a wedding. I don't know what's in this. I'm just going to have four pieces of cake. Like it just doesn't happen. And this is where I'm talking about. If we create a lifestyle of uh, ticking all of our boxes consistently with all of those pillars that I spoke about before all of this stuff becomes habitual none of it requires willpower anymore it's just what you do like you don't even think about it yeah and it's like I don't I I can't think of the last time I had more than three drinks um, and you know as a younger person I would as a younger person I had no idea about how to get to her physique goals like there was stupid shit like you know we would say before nights out like eating is cheating it's like we wouldn't eat the days of going out because we knew how much we're going to drink it's just fucked up right but I've come a long way now and this is why I'm so I'm so adamant talking about building lifestyles that no matter what phase we're in we're all we're 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 setting ourselves up for physique and mental health success all year round, no matter what phase we're on. And then we just none of this requires willpower because I think maybe some people listening might might hear like saying no to deserted a wedding, like I could never. But it's like if we're feeling like we need to be restricted year round, I can I can see why you would think that. But if you know that at certain periods of time you're going to have more flexibility with carbohydrates and fats because. You're hardly ever in a deficit because you know you know how important it is to at least eat at maintenance calories. There's not going to be that desire anymore because whatever you can have cake, whatever you want, it doesn't matter so much. Yeah. So the other thing I said, like I'm gonna be really careful with my alcohol intake because I know once I start having like more than three drinks, no fucks given attitude comes about, and I'm gonna make stupid choices, (laughs) right? So that's just another thing. It's just me being mature. I think at 34 years old now, and just making choices that I know align with my values. Okay, so it's a hard personal boundary for me. My you know how I drink, my drinking habits, and that I hardly ever drink and like I said, it just aligns with my values uh, and it makes it way easier for me to hit all my goals, my business goals, my relationship goals, my physique goals. It just it just works. So um, that's a matter for you. But anyway, then I'd come home after the event, you know, I'd have whatever I wanted to have. I allowed my 1040 calories that I said. And then when I come home, if I'm in a deficit, I'll actually probably have something to look forward to when I come home. Like Uh, some fruit, maybe some uh, low sugar jelly, maybe a sugar-free hot chocolate, maybe a protein bar, I think that really helps you get through dessert. So just say you're, you're in a deficit, so you will decline dessert at the event. Um, knowing that you've got something really nice that you're looking forward to when you get home, I actually think is a little bit of a hack that can help you with that. Because it's like, you know, not watching everyone stuff their face with cake and feeling like you're absolutely missing out. You're like, you know what? Yeah, okay, everyone is having this cake. That's amazing. But I still get something really nice for myself when I get home. And I can absolutely enjoy that with total pleasure. So that would just be something I would do in a deficit. Like I said, at maintenance or at surplus, plus we have a bit more room. So I'd probably have you know a few bites of cake, half a piece of cake or whatever, depending on what it is, because I could fit it into my macros. Yeah, So that is a, an example of what a day looks like. Now, two more things to talk about before we finish. The first one is just tools to make things easier. So calorie cycling is a really valuable tool. And I just want to make sure you know that you can do this with uh, a lot of flexibility so don't get caught up into thinking oh it it has to be like five low uh, five five low days and two high days or it has to be xyz um it doesn't have to be anything you can make it whatever you like the only two rules are for females let's not take our fat per day lower than 0.8 grams per kilo of body weight on any given day and let's hit our protein target so as long as every single day of your week you hit your protein target and don't drop your fat lower than 0.8 grams per kilo of body weight you can calorie cycle however you like you can do a few high days a few low days some people do high, medium and low days. Um, so typically what you're doing, you're just fluxing carbs and fat intake uh, according to what you think you might need on certain days. So just say you're going to have uh, four really busy days at work with no social engagements on Monday through Thursday. You might reduce carbs and fats maybe for those four days and then give yourself, give yourself more carbs and fats for the next three days still across the course of the week, you're still hitting your calorie or energy requirements. So say for the whole week, you're consuming like 14,000, 16,000 calories, right? You can either hit the exact same macros every day and space those 16,000 calories out equally, or you can calorie cycle and you know give yourself higher and low days or even medium days um, to help you navigate meals out that are going to be really calorically expensive, just like budgeting just think of it like money, right? So the only two rules, hit your protein every single day. And um, as a female, I wouldn't take my clients, when I calorie cycle them, I don't like taking them below 0.8 grams per kilo of body weight. One more caveat to that is just thinking about when you're going to have your training sessions um, and making sure that you're not going to be fucking dead for your training sessions because that's a killer. So you might have to think about if you're going to have a high day for a particular social event, maybe try and train in the morning too. So you've got some food in you maybe or even the, next, the day after a social event, if you're not drinking but you're going to have heaps of food, you'll probably have lots of energy in your system for a great training day. So just be smart with that. But again, that comes back down to my weekly plan step okay so finally we're just going to talk about peer pressure family pressure all of those sorts of things so um I think that everyone well I hope that everyone listening understands a few things number one you need to look out for you because no one else can do that for you no one else is going to set your boundaries for you. No one else is going to enforce your boundaries for you. No one else knows what your goals and intentions are. No one else knows how much those things mean to you. You have to stick up for you. You know You know that little song that's been going around on Instagram, like no one's coming to save you. I think Mel Robbins says it. Uh, yeah, no one is coming to save you. You have to do this shit for yourself, okay? Number, number two, people who are good for you will support your decisions even if they don't understand them. And this can hit you in the face because loved ones can be horrible. Um, this was actually my third point I've got written here. Sometimes family can be horrible. We can't choose our family uh, and it can be really important to you to remain civil, and not have a huge fight with family, which I admit is hard. But every time you give in to putting other people's feelings above your own, you are going to be bitter. You are going to have resentment. That's going to build and that's going to be within you, okay? So maybe they're horrible. <laughs> maybe they're being super judgmental or something like that. And it's a really, really uncomfortable situation but it is what it is you need to set your boundaries and hold strong because if you don't you're going to be bitter and you're going to you're going to end up hating them and be being pissed off right if you do yes you're going to be uncomfortable in that you know sometimes it's uncomfortable when people get really angry at you right but you've either got that choice or you've got your own bitterness and resentment building Okay. We want to get rid of those people pleasing tendencies and just be honest. Now, the the fourth point, and I need to make this is like our grandparents, and I've written here specifically Nana, but I do have clients who have beautiful grandmothers and it's usually the female, the grandmas or nanas who, you know, maybe there's a cultural component to this as well, but they show love through food and I'm laughing because this is beautiful, but like it can, it can be a little bit annoying too when, you know, you've got specific targets hit and they don't fucking understand. They don't care. They don't care that you've got physique goals. Right. So you need to deal with this however you think best. Again, maybe it's one of those situations where you allow more calories. You have high days, the days that you go see your grandparents. Um, or it's, it's a situation of expressing to them like, thank you so much, the meal is so wonderful, I love you so much, having some of it and not making a big deal about not having all of it. And of course, if they try to force it down you or load you up with seconds and thirds, you know, just explain that you're actually full. <laughs> um, and again, that's a really personal thing. You'll know how to deal with that best. But potentially, again, this is where calorie cycling can, cycling can be really helpful too. And it's something you might implement. Um, if it's just people, like I said, back to point three, if it's just being people, being jealous and rude and making comments um, because maybe you're the odd one out at the party and you're doing something new and different to everyone else because I know a couple of my clients are in situations like this. Uh, They're actually really well equipped now to hold their boundaries and be like, well, I don't fucking care. Like you can drink all you want. You can eat all of this shit. That's fine. uh, And I'm doing me. (laughs) So just just a vote of confidence in you guys because I have spoken about this with a couple of clients as well. A couple of my younger clients with socializing alcohol, food and being really hesitant to say, you know, I'll come with you, but I'm going to refrain from doing, you know, from having like 16 drinks. I don't need it. And a couple of them have tested it out. And are like, fuck, everyone still likes me. Like I'm not creating any problems. Yeah. Okay. You know, there was maybe some teasing at first, but I was just like, I don't care. I'm setting my boundaries. These are my boundaries if you want to hang out with me, I'm here, but I don't need to get shit-faced because that is what it is. And you know what? Sometimes if these these friendships break down as well, it is part of life and you, I'm sure, will be able to make friends who, who value the same things that you value. But I hope this really helped you with... A guide to managing the next three months. Like I said, there is the worksheet there with uh, part one that you can use to help fill out. And I think I'll probably actually, I, I by the, uh, just as I've gone through this, I'm thinking of something else that might be useful. I might actually might be useful. I might give you a meal planner as well. In there but click on the link, download it, fill it out and you know what if you found this valuable because I would love this to be spread as much as we can so people can see that we don't need to be I'm losing my voice we don't need to be anxious every time this this time of year comes around. There's absolutely really practical steps you can take to manage this period. So if you if you got something useful out of this, I would super appreciate if you can tag fitandfree.podcast and at Amy Louise Coaching and share this on your Instagram stories to try and get this out there to as many women as we possibly can. And without further ado, thanking you all so, so, so much for your following, your support, the community vibe through the podcast, the questions, like legit everything. I could not be more grateful for you. And without further ado, I'm going to leave you there until next week.